Hi, I'm Fatu. And I'm Maz. And this is Dinner, Dinner Party, Party History. History. And so today we're talking about hair. You just jump right in. I was going to say King Charles III has cancer. Okay, let's, well, you can, we can <laughs> I mean, start it's current there. Events. We can cut and go. Yeah, um, today, February 5th, 2024, it was revealed that King Charles III has cancer. What I'm going to do with that information, I don't know. Um, all I can, good luck, Chuck. I hope you, <laughs> I don't Chuck. know. I just feel like I need to say that. We're history. Like, what am I, am I not going to mention it? It is a very big moment in history. I did see that Harry is supposed to be, he's going to open up their doors of communication now. It only took cancer. I mean, yes. I mean, I, I, after he was asking if the kid would be black or not, I can see why he would want to talk right. to his dad. Understandable. Yeah. So. I actually, okay, before we move on, I was, I saw a tweet. It was like this person saying like, Meghan Markle did voodoo to give King Charles cancer. Okay. And I'm just like, if she was They'll voodoo, do anything with her. I'm like, if I had the powers of voodoo to get rid of somebody, I would just get rid of somebody. Stab. <laughs> I would have got rid of him and Elizabeth at the same time. I'm not going to prolong it. Make him king. Bye. Yeah, I'm not a Meghan Markle stan, but if anybody talks shit about Meghan, I will defend her with I all my ability. I literally like Meghan Markle because people are so insane of their hatred for her. I feel like I have to support her. Yes. Because I'm just like, it's And they've OD. gone so low. She's not perfect. Do She's- I think that it's true that she didn't know who H was when no. she met bullshit? But I'm like, we all lie. Everybody lies. I'm so glad you finally admitted it. Oh, let's not start. She's a lying lawyer. But anyway... Today we're not talking about the Charles. We're talking about hair, which that family doesn't really have much of. That's true. A line of receding hairlines. Literally a line of receding hair. All that inbreeding will do that. That's what happens when you, you know, your mom marries her cousin, but... That's true. I mean, I think the Spencers just have poor hairlines, too, because now Harry's losing his hair. I mean, but... Oh, you'll know. I think you get your hairline from your mom's side. So, yeah, I think it sucks on both ends. But Right. Um, while I was doing research on hair, though, I will oh, say— Oh, also, to say specifically, this episode will be about hair, the history of hair, different hairstyles, and, of course, it's Black History Month. So we're going to be talking about the history of black hairstyles as well. Yes. And I did, <laughs> I did notice that I saw um, you can buy locks of historical figures' hairs online. I don't know. It seems to be pretty authentic, but they say they even have Napoleon Bonaparte's hair, George no Washington's hair. Yeah, and how much do you think it would cost for one strand of George Washington's hair? Strand or a lock? One strand, like one, one pluck out pluck, of the hair. Yeah, like a tweezer. I don't know, like. Oh, my God. You're actually right on the head. It's $503. If you have $500 to buy a pluck strand of George Washington's hair, give that shit to me so I can do something useful with that. I thought about getting you one, like, as a gift. I wouldn't get it for George. I wouldn't get it for George. I'll let you know I I don't want anybody's hair. It would be a good gag gift, but I'm like, $500 for a gag gift. I don't want anybody's hair. They do frame it, and it looks pretty nice. Anyway. I would be horrified if I was, like, a historical figure and I'd be turning in my grave finding out that somebody gave a lock of my hair as a fucking gag gift. Because remember, they gave Kim Kardashian Marilyn Monroe's hair. And I thought that was so weird. Very creepy. And how do you know that I consented to this? Right. You have her hair, her clothes. Like, Crazy. Like, when is enough enough? But when you think about history and hair, what do you think about? I think of powdered wigs. Big powdered wigs. As do I. 
as do I. I think of like Marie Antoinette. And I mean, surprisingly, wigs, they go all the way back to ancient Egypt. Right. And that was mostly for lice. You would shave a lot of your hair off to prevent lice because, again, lice lives off of blood. So they will, you know, go into your hair and they're attracted by all of what you've got going on there and then bite your scalp. So people would shave it off. And it seems like it worked better and more effectively in ancient Egypt. I feel like with Europe, it was the syphilis. The syphilis that really brought the Ooh, wigs syphilis took many people down. Many people. But what I didn't know is because I've heard so many conflicting reports about what hygiene was like in the Middle Ages. Some people act like, no, they definitely did clean. They used soap and all this stuff. But then I found this one guy, Friar Thomas Moulton, and he would literally instruct people not to bathe because it was thought of if you're in hot water, it's going to open up your pores and then you're going to get sick, you're going to get the plague, you're also going to get lice and all this stuff. And so people just got more lice. And that's why I constantly say I never want a time machine because those bitches stunk. Yeah. I don't want it. He also said no excessive sweating, which kind of plays into no hanky-panky. And yet they were still doing <laughs> They were it. still doing that. And while they were doing that, they were spreading syphilis. And syphilis, I was surprised. I didn't know that it could actually cause dementia. Really? Yeah. Wait, are you, like, saying that because you knew? No, I really had no idea. Yes. So, like, it can cause dementia. And the sores that you get, I thought they were mostly focused. I knew that you would get body sores. But a lot of it was happening on their hair, and they were getting hair loss. And so these sores were deep. Like, I'm talking about— Oh, God. I'm trying to think about, like, a little mini bottle of alcohol, for example— like, mm-hmm. th- some people would have sores that size on their head. That is horrifying. And so they would shave their head because, well, one, they're losing a lot of hair again because of the syphilis. Sir Alexander Fleming, he comes up with penicillin in 1928. But before that, you were really fucked if you had syphilis. Okay, and I'm literally looking at it on my phone right now because I thought about it. And I, I feel like I heard about it in a documentary before. But untreated syphilis can cause multiple psychiatric disorders. Like yes, you dementia, can have mental breakdown, depression, mania, psychosis, mm-hmm. personality, just delirium. And they're having all like these mad kings, these mad royals. They had fucking syphilis. It does make sense because most of these kings did have syphilis. Right. They had all these affairs and they're with all these yeah. sex workers and doing all these illicit things on the side. And yeah. You might get syphilis. You're losing your eyesight. Oof. Syphilis, I mean, do people really get syphilis now? I've been seeing a lot of ads in a, for We live in LA, in LA and there's billboards randomly of like, get tested for syphilis. And I feel like the thing about syphilis is it's not on like a regular STD test. You have to get a blood test to get tested for syphilis. So if you get like a regular STD test, you just test it for like chlamydia and gonorrhea. But if you get a blood test, like the full screen... HIV, you know a lot about syphilis. this. Listen, safe sex. I know my stuff. So make sure if you are getting STD tested, you're getting STD tested for all of them, not just the big two. That's all good of them. insight because you don't want syphilis. You don't want syphilis. If anything, I feel like this is kind of bitter. I, I, I feel like I've always said I don't want herpes or something like that, but I put this really high up on right. there. This is this is the hair episode, not the syphilis yes, episode. Yes, I'm going to segue back into hair now. Um, but because you're losing hair and you've got these terrible sores on your head, you're shaving your hair partially because you have lice and then you've lost it. But this is a big issue. It's kind of social suicide because at this time, long hair denotes royal blood. And they say like sometimes... There were a lot of poems and theories that the longer your hair, the higher your social rank or the stronger your bloodline was. So people needed to fake it immediately. And I think this really becomes popular 
with the sun god, King Louis XIV. He also starts prematurely balding, just like his dad. So his dad was already really into wigs. But King Louis takes it up a notch, partially because he was having really bad syphilis outbreaks. And he hires 48 wig makers. Damn! 48. And this becomes his huge thing. He's spending lots of tax dollars on this. And it spreads to England, where his cousin Charles II is. He's also into it. And then people start getting used to white powder. And the powder, I guess, it used to be made of, like, chalk, talcum powder. And you would like this because they eventually started having scents. You could get lavender powder or orange blossom powder, so it would smell better. I mean, again, they did not smell great, so all the scents you can get in that powder, do it, guys. And it's killing lice. It seemed to be somewhat effective. I mean, usually what would— Have you ever had lice? No. With my hair, my mom, if there was ever, like, like any idea about lice coming, I would stay at home because she was like, we're not going to go through that. I've never had, I mean, I, first of all, I don't know any black person that's ever had lice. <laughs> that is true. Why but I just that? remember, oh my God, being at school and having like lice checks. And I'm just, and my mom would always be like, nasty, disgusting. We never people. had lice checks, but I remember they would say someone had lice. So um, the parents would check and confirm, which I wouldn't trust. Right, which is why we had the lice checks. <laughs> we went to public school, girl. We, we had lice checks and they're like the scoliosis checks. Okay, so. So the issue is the wigs would get lice. Okay, so then they would have to boil the the wigs in hot water, do the whole thing. But it it kind of it would still be an issue no matter what. Do you know what. what the hair was made out of? Yes, it would usually be made of horse hair. But sometimes, if you were a royal, you would usually use like corpses' hair sometimes. Ooh. And they say that Louis, um, King Louis the Fourteenth, his wigs would be made of ten corpses' bodies' hair. <gasps> That's a lot of hair. Yeah. From dead people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you've got Marie Antoinette, right? Icon. When that's it comes your to, girl. When it comes to hair? That's your girl. When it comes to hair. One thing about Fatu is she loved that Marie Antoinette movie by Sofia Coppola. I just love it, and I can't wait till we do a Marie Antoinette episode because she was a maligned woman. Was she perfect? Absolutely not. But I'm just like, y'all should have been more mad at all the other things going on in France, and not her— I mean, she was spending all that money on her hair and the food and the parties and the clothes. and. But a huge part of her hair aesthetic is honestly attributed to Léonard Autier, who I will refer to as Leonard for the rest of the episode. Okay. But Leonard was a hairdresser. He came from the country. He was provincial, as you would say. <laughs> and he came in with a with a pimp dream. He... Said, a I'm, pimp dream? Yes. He was like, listen, because he had he had a big appetite for women. Oh. He loved the ladies. And the only reason why he went into hairdressing was because he felt like it was the easiest job out there that even, like, the dumbest person could do it, which is so rude. But right. regardless, that's why he went into it. So he comes over there, and he immediately starts— swaying a lot of women's attention because he was like apparently really, really hot. So think of him as a Jacob Elordi. Okay, and Jacob Elordi. You have hair. the possibility of getting your hair done, but then also having another appointment. Okay. He had a reputation for doing both very well. And so it really starts, he, he really takes over the theater crowd. There's this one actress, she has this big play, and he puts all of these flowers in her hair. He uses all these different architectural techniques where shit stands up high, and it's a huge hit, and he starts 
fucking her pretty regularly. <laughs> and she's spreading her mouth about how great he is. So he's getting a lot of clientele. He's also making jealous a lot of the other hairstylists at the time. The sun god's main mistress. Madame Dubarry? Yes. Madame Dubarry, she enlists him to do her hair. But eventually he, he meets Marie Antoinette. He does her hair. She loves it. I guess the first time he does her hair, it said that he was really drunk at the time because he was plotting how he was going to take over the world. And that courage that he got from the bottle made him do her hair extra big. She loves it. Next thing you know, they're putting like birds in her hair, all that jazz. And again, that was fun. It was innovative. Innovative, but I think it, you know, the fact that people couldn't afford like eight sous of I guess a loaf of bread at that time cost eight sous, but one hair appointment with him cost 4000 I mean, yeah, people were dying of hunger, and she had ships in her hair, but there's no but. It was wrong, but <laughs> she looked good. She looked good. She but yeah, it, it was wrong. Yeah, so that's that's what I've got for you. Okay, so I guess how do we transition from ships in the hair and syphilis... <laughs> I mean, I could talk to you about the pubes, but I just don't know when you're going to give me the green light to do I so. Mean, you already just brought it up, so I think we well, can Well, I talk was also bringing that up because that's just me talking to you. I mean, we can cut that out. We can talk about the pubes. Let's talk about the pubes. They had... <laughs> so I guess my transition will be, while there was a lot of popularity with hair up top, it was also rather popular down south. Before there were Birkins, there were Merkins. Oh, my God. I remember hearing about this in history class. Really? I never learned about this in history. It was a history class, but in college. It was in high school. Yes. Merkins were all the rage. And I highly suggest you Google Merkins and like type in Merkin history, and you will see this one photo of this man with big, crazy hair, and he has like a bunch of Bermuda Triangle-shaped wigs that he was selling. Oh, my Um, gosh. I have to look that up. Yes. Now, these, because... Obviously, if you can get sores on your head, you can get sores on oh, your crotch. Oh, that's why? Yes. Okay. It was so popular. Oh, These no. were coming out in like 1450. And the thought was, one, a lot of people, I didn't know about this, but a Brazilian should really be called an Italian because Italian courtesans used to always be completely bare. I mean, you had to because the, <laughs> the, the genital. So a lot of people liked the look of just complete bare, no hair down there. Right. And it makes sense because now when you think about when you look at statues, mm-hmm. especially like ancient Greek statues, there's never any hair there. That's very true. I never thought about that. Why does Michelangelo not have pubes? <gasps> You're so People right. were shaving it down and they would use pumice stones. Oh. I don't know how right. that would feel, but they would go hard in there. with that would... Even the ancient Egyptians, they'd use flint. People would also burn their pubic hairs <gasps> off. Lots of different techniques. I mean, that's what we do with laser. So, I mean, I get it. That's true. And it works like a gem. But with this, it was thought of okay, I'm going to cover up my sores so you're not going to see. But also, if I've got this little muff going on, when we're bumping uglies, you're not going to contract anything because the sore is covered. Let me tell you, it did not work. And things continued to spread. But people also got creative with it. It says that they would use different colors and textures. So maybe you wanted to have a completely straight bush, or maybe you wanted a little bit of curl. I don't even want to know where they were getting the hair from the bushes from. Uh, Again, a lot of dead people were used. But 
Sometimes if you actually had money, you would use your own hair. That would be preferred because then it, the curtains match the drapes. Oh my God. But still some people, especially if you wanted to play with different textures, you would sometimes have goat or horse. And again, they do the same thing where they're boiling them in water. And it, it's crazy because the way that pubes, I, I went down pube alley. I didn't want to do this, but it kind of just it found its way to me. But apparently also the in the 1800s, these women would in England would gift their lovers their pubes in like a silver box. And that was a way of saying like, I'm, I really like you. I'm really into you. And then sometimes the men would put the pube in their hat and it would be thought like, that's going to give me extra courage today. I'm speechless. <laughs> well, you know... I, I really am speechless. <laughs> pubes in the hat? Yes. No, and there's also this, because you know how I've been dying for us to do like a and sex And I'm like, was this like episode? your, was this a parallel you were trying to make of gifting me a lock of hair and then talking about pubes as when a gift When did I gift box? you a lock of you hair? You were talking about, you literally were just talking about George Washington and giving me a piece of oh hair. Oh my God, no, but that You're really sick. came full circle. You're sick. I mean, people were, I mean, hair was... It was all the rage until the Victorian era came because there was even this sex group called the Beggar's Benison. In that group, this one man made a hat completely made of different mistresses. Oh pubes. my gosh, I don't <laughs> know what that hat smelled like. And people, some of the members would actually, they would come in and they would have to kiss the hat. And then when the when the hat got stolen by one of the members, King Charles II, he gave the group more of his mistress's pubes oh, to add to that. This is not a life. You look it up, beggars, benison, it all happened. Was this the bombshell you were going to drop? Yeah. This is certainly a bombshell. I had to sneak bombshell. it in because I knew you weren't going to let me talk about it. Oh, God. Okay. But well, if that existed, you have to know. And I'm glad I know that it's the essence of this podcast, things you didn't learn about in school <laughs> for obvious reasons, of course. And you know what? I'm so gobsmacked at this fact that I want to take a break for a commercial, but we don't have any advertisers yet, so I'm just going to sit here and look at you for a second and just think, what the fuck? Okay, we are back from our very brief break, and we realize on this break that we are <laughs> on two completely different pages. She was doing research on syphilis, lice, and pubes, and I was doing research on Madam C.J. Walker. <laughs> but you know what? Onward we go. We're getting history no matter what. Yes. And it is about hair, so you weren't wrong. Right. You weren't wrong. And we just didn't communicate. Hair is such a broad scope. And though we talk all the time, we just didn't. Literally, we talk all the time. And we've literally spent the past 24 hours together with each other. But somehow. But didn't bring up the pot until about 10 minutes We never brought this podcast up until 15 minutes before we actually are recording it. But you know what? Again, onward we go. So I'm going to make, you know, a smooth transition. Thank you for passing me the pew baton. I'm going to start. We're going to fast forward. To mm -hmm. 1900. Obviously, there's so much, <laughs> there's so much history in terms of hair, especially of Black American hair, considering you know slavery. And obviously, during slavery, people weren't doing their hair. I mean, they're doing their hair, but you know, th there's no access to hair care products for Black hair and all those things. So I'm gonna 
fast forward to 1900. And in 1900, a woman named Annie Malone debuted the first wonderful hair grower and sold it door to door. So she made this concoction and the concoction was like vegetable shampoo. And I was reading all these articles and they kept saying vegetable shampoo. And I'm like, what the fuck is in the vegetable shampoo? But like that and sulfur and orris root and like all these other things to make this miracle hair grower. And so she was selling it door to door and she got really successful at it. And she started this program to teach other black women how to, you know, do hair better, treat your hair better, and also how to sell it door to door like she was. So I don't want to say like a pyramid scheme because it wasn't really a pyramid scheme. I'm thinking more, what is it called? Avalon? Avon. Avon. (laughs) That's also a pyramid scheme though. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. Mary Kay Avon girl. We got to have a pyramid scheme episode because that's a lot. But this was more like, it was more it was more empowering. But I'll get to why it maybe wasn't so empowering for some people in the community. But one person that was a part of Annie Ballone's hair care program was Madam C.J. Walker. And Madam C.J. Walker's real name is Sarah Breedlove. I think people literally think her name is like C.J. something. But like her name is Madam C.J. Walker because her husband's name was Charles J. Walker. And back then it was typical to be greeted like, oh, instead of this is Sarah Breedlove Walker, the wife of Charles Walker, it was, okay, this is Madam C.J. Walker, the patriarchy. That's why. But anyway, Sarah Breedlove, she was a part of the program. And in 1909, she leaves the program of Annie and creates her own program. And there's like a little bit of a beef because it's just like, wait, did she just like copy her and do her own thing? And I mean, yeah, the products were also very similar. And hers was also called the Miracle Hair Grower, the wonderful Miracle Hair Grower. And so that's what she was doing. And so she's doing the same model of going door to door and selling it to other black people in the community. Like this is how you can treat your hair. It's how you can grow your hair. Here's how you can style it. Because at that time, straightening was like coming in to fashion or trying to figure out ways to style it. And that is when we got the hot comb. And there's like another iteration of the hot comb before, but she kind of you know, popularized it at that time. And again, Madam C.J. Walker and Annie Malone had haters. They were very prominent people in the black community at the time, like Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington considered this whole hair care thing they were doing self-hating and frivolous, and so much so that he considered taking them out of the Tuskegee Institute. Not even considered it. He actually made the decision to, like, not have them in in the Tuskegee Institute at all. Literally, why? Because it's just like, no, like, this is self-hate. You guys don't love yourself. And it's like, there's more important things to do in the world than straighten and fix your hair. It was very sexist. It is sexist. And also, so many more women were entering the workforce. And I feel like they had to assimilate in order to get jobs. Exactly. Not even just that, but it's just like, It was creating jobs, period, because at that time, it's like, you know, this is like the 70s or something where it's like, okay, women are finally entering the workforce. It's the early 1900s, and it's black women, so it's just like, there's all these, you know, prominent men like Booker T. Washington during this time having these big names, doing all these things, and it's just like, okay, and here are black women doing their own thing, creating a name for themselves, starting businesses, teaching other women how to empower themselves and start their own businesses. And here his hate and ass goes. And he didn't even put them, he didn't even allow them to be in the National Negro Business League. He was like, you're not even going to be in this. Wow. And he said, you need to, instead of straightening out your kinks, you need to straighten out your self-hate. Literally, he said that. He said that. That's so fucking heartbreaking. So Madam C.J. Walker comes the first female 
self-made millionaire in America. She is making a killing from her hair care products. Everybody is on this shit. And it's sad because she starts her company in 1909 and she dies in 1919, unfortunately. But she obviously left a huge fortune for her daughter, which we talked about this earlier. Yeah, Fatu and I have disagreements over her daughter. Alalia Walker, and Alalia Walker, she was apparently very beautiful. She was almost six feet tall, beautiful dark skin. She was like a stallion of her time. And obviously, she's like one of like America's first black Nepo babies. And so she was doing all this cool shit because obviously she was around during the Harlem Renaissance, and she was really in Harlem in her beautiful, huge brownstone. Yes, throwing- and Langston Hughes calls her the joy goddess of the Harlem Renaissance, okay? Right, Langston Hughes called her that, and, and I'm not going to take that away from her. But because, you know, she loved to spend... She loved to throw her lavish, extravagant parties, and she loved nice things. She was a material girl. She wasn't necessarily business-minded. Unfortunately, some things happened. There was some money that was not properly managed. And, of course, that terrible thing that happened in the early 1900s, the Great Depression, that happened, and basically the entire fortune was gone. Yes. She was terrible with her money. But we got the black Studio 54 from her. We, ba- we basically, yeah. She was the iconic dinner party host. Everybody was at her Celebrating black parties. artistry all the time. And it wasn't even just like, it was. It would be anything from like dinner parties to like these like more quiet, like literary functions where we're having like great conversation about literature. But it, they was, she was also having orgies. Yes. And she was a safe haven for the gays. She was a safe haven for the gays. The girls, gays, and theys could be at Alalia Walker's You're house. You're eating good. She's got potato souffle, crushed strawberry ice cream. She was She's all- that bitch. But then at one point, it's like she was trying to be business-minded, but it just didn't work. Because then she had, like, this bottom floor for Brownstone. The that, dark tower. The dark tower that she tried to turn into, like, this social club, basically, where it's like, all the fun parties she was having before, but she was charging for everything. It's just like, and we never like when that happens. This is not fucking Soho House. <laughs> I was just at your party last week for free. Now you're going to charge me for some lemonade? Yeah. What are we doing here? It lasted a year. It lasted a year, was not successful. But you know what? Again, history is complicated and you can be, you know. She's coming to the dinner party regardless. She's coming to the dinner party. She's hosting it. She's hosting it. We're going to her dinner (laughs) party and hopefully we don't have to pay for it. I want her to be the one to make like a host. I wish she would have done that. Right. God. I'm sure she would have had an amazing podcast had they been out back then. (laughs) Exactly. Honestly, like to have damn near everybody in the Harlem Renaissance. But okay. And I feel like when people think of like the history of black hair, the first person they think of is Madam C.J. Walker. And rightfully so. She was, you know, the first female self-made millionaire. But one person people often forget about in terms of the black hair movement is Christina Jenkins. And if you don't know who Christina Jenkins is, she is the inventor of the modern hair weave. I had, had no idea. And I have to salute her because as somebody wearing a weave right now, I <laughs> couldn't have done it without you. So Christina Jenkins was very educated. She had a science degree from Leland University, and she developed the idea of attaching hair to a net, which was then sewn onto the client's cornrow base and thus developed what Christina Jenkins referred to as the hair weave. What year is this? This is, she patents it in 1952. 
Okay. But she basically starts doing it like the late 1940s, like post-World War II, because obviously it's the war. People aren't really focused on their weave. But after the war's over, it's like, okay, we got some innovation. So she creates the weave. She gets it patented in 1952, and she travels worldwide teaching her technique. And back then, a hair weave cost anywhere from two to $500, which in modern times is anywhere from like $1,700 to $4,000. So weaves were not just for anybody. A weave wasn't like a little, you know, $100 weave you can get now. Like these were like luxury, luxury services. And where is the hair coming from this time? The hair is coming from, well, human hair, Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're rich, you're obviously going to have the human hair. I'm not exactly sure where it was coming from, and I really hope it wasn't corpses. But Probably, Jim. I don't know. I don't want to say definitively yes, but I hope it wasn't from corpses, but I think some of it was synthetic hair. Okay. But yeah. So she she created the weave, and she was charging so much. Because at the time, before there were weaves, there were obviously wigs that people were doing. But um, prior to weaves... Instead of doing like a regular, like a clip-in extension or like a regular weave that we have now, people were pinning hair with like bobby pins and all these other grips and stuff, which look really unnatural and bulky and lumpy and were prone to slipping. So it's like with the hair weave, your shit is secure in your head like it is now. Like you can pull my hair. My hair is not going to come out. If I had it clipped with bobby pins and hair clips and stuff, if you one touch, (laughs) she's on the ground. So thank you so much, Christina Jenkins, for creating the weave. And so how it worked is that she had three cords and a device called a weaving frame, and that created a natural weft in which she attached the commercial hair onto the natural hair to create the weave. And also during this time is the Johnson family. And not the Johnson and Johnson family, the other Johnson family. We have George Johnson and his wife, Joan. Them two... They created the Johnson hair products. And they're doing like similar things to what Annie Malone and Madame C.J. Walker were doing. Just like, you know, more companies having more brands of hair products. And they were in Chicago. And one thing they invented was the Afro Sheen. They are the creators of the Afro Sheen. Is this like the predecessor of Soul Glow? Basically, this was the predecessor of Soul Glow. I mean, I mean, it was Soul Glow, basically. And one thing I read about that was like, ooh, drama, was that... Bob, not Bob Johnson, that's the BET guy, George Johnson, <laughs> he, he he popularized the relaxer, the hair relaxer. If you don't know what a relaxer is, it's basically a system in which you can chemically straighten your hair. And back when the relaxer was first created, it was made using lye. And obviously when science improved, it was found out that lye was extremely dangerous and like caused cancer and can like give you sores and burns and things like that. But anyway, so he popularized his own brand of the relaxer. And then at one point, the FTC... Federal Trade Commission? The FTC or the FCC? One of them, or the FDA... Oh, I got to make sure I double check that. But a governing body, a governing body. (laughs) (laughs) You're throwing in the towel. It's definitely not the FCC. Because I I just wrote government in my notes (laughs) and I didn't put which one. I'm so sorry. I'm so unprepared. They made it so on the box of his relaxer, it had to put that it was like lie in there and that it was like dangerous and they could like cause cancer. And obviously, that's, like, not great for business. <laughs> it's not great for... Stop laughing. I'm going to have to say it again. You're killing me. This is the worst episode we've ever fucking made. Okay, I'm going to repeat what I said. <laughs> so then there's all this drama 
with the FTC, George Johnson and the Johnson Company, and also Revlon, because at that time they were using lye in the relaxers, and the FTC made it so that he had to put on his boxes that it contained lye, which could cause burns and scalp sores and all these things. And he's like, okay, sure, it's the FTC, I have to do it. So he puts it on his box. And then it turns out that Revlon has their own line of relaxers, and they we're not putting it on their box. I guess they didn't do it until about almost two years later, 22 wow. months later. And so it's killing his business. And Revlon is making all this money and they're putting like, you know, gentle, natural, safe on their boxes. And he's losing all this money because it's like, oh, wait, their shit's a gentle one and your shit's the one causing burns. Right. Even though they both have the same ingredients and were both causing the same scalp issues. And after that, you know, they took the lie out and it was like they were making like softer, actual gentler versions. They had like the kitty perms and all those things. But yeah, hair drama. And also at that time, the tides were changing and there was a, less of a focus of straightening your hair and making it, you know palatable and softer and more manageable and embracing the Afro because at the time, you know, the civil rights and the right. Black Panthers and the Afro was, you know, becoming more in popularity and hairstylists, black hairstylists like around the country were freaking out like, oh wait, shoot, are we going to like start losing all of our business now because everybody wants an Afro and then obviously there's the smart stylists that are like, okay, I'm going to start doing Afros now. Fuck these relaxers. And so the tides were turning and of course after that, more black people were going into the workforce after the civil rights movement and the laws were changed. Then it was going back to that conservative style of, okay, let's straighten our hair, let's fix our hair so we can, you know, assimilate more into these white spaces. So that's my hair story. <laughs> Let's talk about our own hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, with my hair, I feel as though my hair story is going from loving my curls growing up. And then I went through that stage, obviously, where I wanted boys' attention. And I went to an all-white school. And they all would make fun of my hair and throw shit in it. Which, to be fair, my hair can catch a lot of things. I'm always afraid of a spider, like walking through a spider web, because I feel like, how am I going to find it? Oh, my God. And then I would just burn the shit out of my hair, straighten it regularly till it, it just fell off the bone. You have also put texturizer in my hair before. I have given her. I mean, a texturizer is basically like a baby relaxer. I relaxed her hair. She yes. was in between my knees, and I was putting that creamy crack mm -hmm. on her head. This was what? This was like when we were like 19. This yeah. is like the summer of like going into sophomore year of undergrad. And then, you know, then I embraced the curls again once I lost them. I feel like that's always how it goes. Right. And now I mostly wear my hair curly, tempted to maybe lose my weave virginity. <laughs> You're ready for your Merkin? <laughs> I'm ready for my Merkin up top. But I just don't know... If I'm going to be able to handle it. Because I, whenever I'm frustrated, I really get up in my scalp. Right. Which I'm like, it's an interesting way to, to cope with your stress. You know that. The more stressed I am, the bigger my hair gets throughout the day. That's true. I've seen it increase in size by the hour. One thing that's going to be difficult for you, I think, is probably like having like the tight braids and the hair sewn into your head. It's going to feel like an out-of-body experience <laughs> for you. But I want that length. Right. You're just going to have to go with it. I feel like my hair history, I've like really run the gamut. I'm pretty sure I got my first hair relaxer when I was like four or five years old. I used to love getting it done. 
doesn't it burn? It burns like a bitch. Like you, you, you have your hair, and when it's clean and stuff, you get the relaxer, and you basically have to like put Vaseline around your scalp so it doesn't burn your skin. And so you, you do that, and you, you prep the hair, you section it off, and you start putting the relaxer. In. And obviously, you start in the back, and it's like as you're going from the bottom to the top. Like you're starting at the top and on the back, it's like, oh wait, it's burning. It's burning because you started at the back like 10 minutes ago and now you're at the front and it's like, you have to make sure it is all like kind of like processing at the same time. So it's like the back isn't bone straight and the front isn't all fucked up. And so you're experiencing burning in the back. <laughs> it's starting to burn in the front. And it's like, you want to make sure it's as straight as possible. So you're just waiting in there, feeling the burn, feeling the burn. Cause it's like the more it burns, the straighter it's going to get. And so you, after that, like, once it, you, it burns so bad you can't take it anymore, you run and you wash the relaxer out and you put like this neutralizing shampoo in and you like condition it and stuff. And then your hair is like that. I remember I had this cousin, Ida. Oh, poor Ida. She was trying to get that hair as bone straight as possible. And she flew a little bit too close to the sun and burned all her <laughs> fucking hair off. And it'll just fall off, right? <laughs> It literally will just fall off into chunks. Like, literally, as you're washing it, it will be in clumps. I remember her yelling in the shower because literally she was washing her hair and she would just, like, grab chunks of her hair and it would all be on the floor. And I'd have had to have a fade. But <laughs> so after, like, I would get relaxers, but then, like, I would, like, mostly have braids for the majority of the time. And I've spent so much time getting my hair braided. That's why I want to get braids again now, but I feel like I'm just so exhausted from my childhood sitting down at my African auntie's house watching Nigerian movies for 12 hours straight, getting my hair done, and I'm just like, I don't want to deal with it. And obviously, it's Back then, there's like no phones, no iPads, no nothing. I'm just sitting there watching DVDs at my aunt's house. And now I have like my phone, whatever. But a lot of braids. And I remember the first time I got a weave because I was begging my mom to get a weave. I wanted one so bad. The first time I got a weave was in eighth grade and that was life-changing. I remember walking into school and everybody was gagging. <laughs> oh my God, Fatu, your hair looks so nice. I don't know what you did, but you should keep doing it. And obviously I was like addicted to getting a weave because I'm like, I can never get braids again. It's just not the same. And again, a weave to me, depending on who's doing it, normally takes like anywhere from two to three hours max, maybe four. The braids. Oh, that's fast. I think the longest time I ever spent getting braids done was when I went to Gambia the summer of like the fifth grade or something. And I got these tiny, tiny little micro braids. And it, it the hair was done over two days. It was like eight hours, two days each. And I was losing my mind. All I had was a Harry Potter book. <laughs> Basically, from middle school until now, I've just been having weaves, and obviously, I'll, like, straighten my hair, get a little silk press. Occasionally, I've gotten braids. Like, when I go on vacation, I'll get the braids so I can go into the water, no problem. But, yeah, I've had some pretty fucked up hair. It's so it's such an evolution. It can be humbling. The makeup, I don't even know where to start. It's like, my hair looked bad, and my foundation was 10 shades too light. Like, pick a struggle. Okay, so, this is dinner party history, and although this is our most out of sorts episode. Right. We still have to decide who's coming to the party. I'm I'm going to invite Marie Antoinette's hairstyles to the party cuz I don't know they what he's going to do. He seems like yeah. a fun guy. I want him for both. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we'll take him. Hopefully with modern protection. I'm assuming you're going to <laughs> I'm assuming you're going to invite Marie. Of course, think it was a package deal. Definitely inviting Madame C.J. Walker. I want to invite the Merkin guy, too. Oh, God. To make wigs 
Apparently, people still use merkins, believe it or not. For what, like porn? I found, because I was obviously trying to see what they looked like back then, and then I found things I didn't want to see. Right. And there's like pink merkins where they'll have a flashlight. Like there's a flashlight embedded in the merkin. For what? I don't know. So you can see where you're going, I guess. Okay. Um, or maybe they wear them to raves. I don't know. Okay. People do fun stuff. I'm also going to invite Annie Turnbone Malone. Because she doesn't, I didn't even know who she was. Right. Before today. Everybody always talks about Madam C.J. Walker, but it's like, she was basically one of Annie's sons. Like, who did she learn it from? She Annie. was her son. And I wonder how she felt. Because for me, if you come to my shop and we bond because you are, because well, isn't it that Madame C.J. Walker was bald at the time? Like, she was losing a lot of hair. She was losing her hair. And who brought and the hair back? Fucking Annie, Annie brings her the program. hair back. We bond. Now you're working for me. And the next thing you know, like, she moved somewhere and she starts selling the product in that city. Right. And now you start marketing your own shit that's basically the same as mine. And you become the millionaire. Everybody talks about you during Black History Month. It's going to be have hard for series. me to be the bigger person. And they fucked Annie over in that in that series. Highly recommend. It's on Netflix. It's called Self Made, starring Octavia Spencer. But Very the whole good. colorism plot that they put in there for Annie is not true because Annie was dark skinned as well. She wasn't this villain. Right. I think they did her wrong. And Annie went through so much shit with her husbands. She had this one husband named Aaron, and he really screwed her over. He was a gold digger. And he basically took all of her money. And while they were married, she was trying to say, you know, oh, to make him feel better. Mind you, she finds this man when he's just selling Bibles. I shouldn't say just. <laughs> he's selling Bibles. He's struggling to get by. He used to be a teacher. It didn't work out. This man does not have a dollar to his name. She raises him up. And to make him feel like a man, she says, oh, in all the newspaper articles, oh, he's got money. It was bullshit. She just didn't want him to have the reputation of being a deadbeat. And so then when they get divorced, he pulls up all those articles and says, I get half of everything. Oh, see, you give him an inch and they take a mile. He's not invited to dinner party. You're banished. Yeah, he's absolutely not invited to the dinner party. Obviously, I'm going to invite Alalia. Yes. Like Again, we said, she's the host. She's going to teach us some things about hosting a dinner party, of course. Syphilis is not welcome. Syphilis is not if welcome. If you have it, you're still invited, but please stay please covered. Please get tested. Everybody gets penicillin shots. That's when you come in, we're Listen. taking shots and getting shots. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I'm also going to invite christina jenkins because i want to show her my weave and i think she's going to be so like what look at how far your inventions look came. at how far your inventions come i got a closure now it is amazing <laughs> how much black women have led hair though because i also didn't know um that the curling iron that we know today was patented by a black woman theora steffens wow she's mm -hmm. invited to 1980 she, she did it invited to so that's our that's our episode for today that is our episode for today. There's no, there's no fuck Mary kill today. Oh, I guess I can spring one. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> oh, but it would be really gross. So maybe we just don't. One day I hope they open up a psych <laughs> ward for crazy bitches like you. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Dinner Party History. We're going to be so much better next We actually week. have a game plan because we went into this realizing on the drive here we don't have a plan and we're talking about two very different subjects. Right. So next week we're going to be stronger, better, faster. Yeah. Amazing. 
Thank you so much for all of our five-star reviewers. Thank you to everybody who made it through the end of this podcast. If you're hearing these words now, you're I salute a soldier. you. I wish I could give you a Merkin just for listening. <laughs> but thank you so much. And again, please leave us five stars. But if you don't, after listening to this episode, I totally understand. But don't leave us a one star. But yeah, come back next week and it's going to be so much better. Bye. Bye. <laughs>